0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Good Lion Podcast. I'm Aaron Salvato, and I'm Brian Higgins, and we're here with our buddy Michael Balls. How's it going, man? It's going good. Good to be with you guys. It's good to have you. You're, dude. I, you're, you're a guy that I've wanted to get on here for a while, Michael. You're, uh, you're, you're one of my friends that I've made online, and a real like internet friend that then transitioned into like a genuine friend. Like it's weird. We're in, we're in this weird age where. You can like see somebody and see they liked a meme and be like, I like that meme too. And then start talking to them. And then all of a sudden you're praying for one another. Like, <laughs> I can't even really remember like specifically how we became friends. Do you? <laughs> like either it was not some crazy story, but what, what's our backstory, man?
1: Well, I remember I was at, uh, I think a taco truck in LA with my friend, Johnny. You may know him by the Instagram handle SA Johnny. Yes. And he like through the, we were talking, I think about like a ton- atonement or wrath of God. And he's mm. like, Oh my gosh, you got to connect with my friend Aaron and you got to listen to, you know, I don't know if you did something at the time, but yeah, we, we were doing he, a little mini series on it. Yeah. So I think that's how I met, met you mm. online. That's so him. cool. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, dude. It, it's funny because the literally that this
0: entire podcast network wouldn't even exist without those kind of meetings because uh, Brian and I wouldn't have met. If I hadn't met his friend, Alan, over us bonding over a Facebook post, <laughs> like oh, wow. that, that's how the two of us met was, uh, yeah, I became friends with Alan because we both thought when we were kids that the Holy Spirit looked like a, like a floating upside down dove, because that was the logo of our church. Calvary Chapel was like this weird upside down
2: diving dove. And so we just thought that's what the Holy Spirit looks like. So yeah. We bonded Aaron over uses, that. Aaron uses Facebook for friendship the way that most people use like eHarmony. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Just like constantly just looking to match. Just who, who do I connect with? Who do I feel a spark with?
0: And here we are. I'm going to read a little intro for you. Michael has served as a youth pastor and young adults pastor in Los Angeles for nearly seven years which is cool. That's that's kind of me and Brian's story as well, both former youth pastors for many years. Prior to moving recently up to Washington, just south of Seattle in a small town called Sumner, he now works at a gospel-centered transitional housing provider called Absolute Ministries, where he comes alongside individuals coming out of life-controlling addictions. So cool. He's also a student at Western Seminary. We're fans. We're fans of that. Where he is one semester away from graduating with his, his uh, master's in biblical and theological studies. Super cool, man. That's all really cool stuff. It's, I'm glad that the audience now knows who you are. Yeah. Good to be
1: known. <laughs> how, how, long, how long have you been out of the youth ministry game? Oh, man. I escaped when <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 2019 to May of 2019. Hmm.
0: Okay. A little bit. Yeah, we, I, I left in 2017 from like my form, uh, formal youth pastor role, like the end of
2: 2017, beginning of 2018.
0: Brian, you left around 2019?
2: I left middle school ministry 2019 and Ooh. ended up doing college stuff for a year after that mm. up until April 2020. Nice. Crazy similarities.
0: You guys can't see us, but we're all looking at each other on camera and we're all like, like Michael and I are literally wearing like the same thing, like black t-shirt, beanie, beard. Not just
1: any beanie, a tiny beanie, a fisherman's beanie. If you were to look for it to buy. What do they call it? The trawler, the trawler cap? Yeah, yeah, trawler cap.
0: There you go. Well, we should probably get into what we're here to talk about today, which is... (laughs)
2: beanies we're gonna do a whole episode on the theology of beanies we it all started used a back non-visual medium to explain <laughs> to you beanies it all started so in back the with corinth, the jesuit there priest. was uh,
1: uh there's head coverings right mm-hmm. in corinth was that the beanie do we know i think i think so mm. i think so
2: the, the trolley is that what you just called it
0: trawler trawler, trawler. Yeah, yeah that's that makes more sense you know those guys who are always trawling
2: all over the place i don't know what troll means <laughs> I'm guessing like fishing or something, but... Trawl seems like a a motorized stroll because you just take the S off and you got trawl. There you go. There you go.
0: Let's get into the meat of today's episode. We're going to talk today about supernatural stuff, supernatural experiences. We're going to have just an open-ended conversation on God working in, to use like a super church cliche, mysterious ways, supernatural ways, and just what it means for the church, what it means for Christians. And and we're going to talk about people who've experienced it. We're going to talk about people who've never experienced that and what it means for their faith. And To start off, I'd like Michael to share because this came up when you were teaching at the Good Lion Bible study that I was leading a few months ago. We had a group of young people got together on Zoom. I was leading this Bible study with them and I wanted Mike to come and guest speak at it. And as I was listening to you, I actually, I wasn't supposed to be there that night because I had something going on, but then I finished what I was doing. And so I popped in on my phone just to kind of listen to Mike teach. And I was hearing you share your testimony And you started talking about how a part of your testimony was God, like reaching out to you and speaking to you in ways that were kind of, as you described, a little out of the ordinary. Yeah. And I think that that's a huge part of our faith. Like we have a faith. (laughs) like. Just before we get into it, to set this up, like we have this faith that's actually built on the supernatural, like Abraham, right? Like God appears to him and says like, go to this place you've never been. And also you're going to have a son, but you're really old. Like that's supernatural. Moses is talking to a burning bush and parting the Red Sea. Gideon has this supernatural experience where God shows up in this radical way and speaks to him. Mary has God appear and say, you know, hey, you're going to be, you're going to have a son born to you. Who's going to be the savior of the world. Like we could go on and on, but we have a faith that's built on the supernatural. But a lot of times for Christians, we don't really experience it in the day to day. So yeah. I think it's really exciting when we do. <laughs> that's the whole point of this yeah. episode is that it happens and that it's exciting and we should talk about it. So Mike, you have the floor. Can you can you share a
1: little bit about your experiences? Yeah, I mean, I would just kind of piggybacking on the last thing you said. I think that we have a lot more spiritual experiences than maybe we're like keen on or aware of. So a little background before I share that I think would give listeners a good framework for where I'm coming from. I grew up Southern Baptist and then had a radical kind of encounter with the Lord coming out of addiction and drugs and crazy stuff Mm -hmm. in a program called Teen Challenge, which is under like the Pentecostal umbrella. So Mm -hmm. it was very like culture shock. I'm like, you know, right. we visited all these, you know, little, you know, Pentecostal churches. I'm seeing stuff, you know. Your, um, was your church growing up? Did they believe in like miracles, gifts of the spirit? Were they more sensation or uh, cessationist? Like, how did you grow up? Man, I don't... <sighs> I would probably say they were more like cessationist. I don't, you know, that could, that could change. That could have changed now, you know, some of them, but I didn't hear a lot about the spiritual gifts, you know, growing up, you know, so I think probably want to, I don't want to like stereotype any of those two groups, but just from my limited experience, like I have Baptist friends who'd be like, you know, praying for something or trying to discern God's will about something and be like, man, I, I read scripture and God just confirmed this through Scripture, and then like my okay. Pentecostal friends would be like, "Man, I was praying about what speaker to have come to this youth rally, and his last name was the street sign that I was, you know, turning on." Right. And okay. God just spoke to me. The levels so of it. Yeah. I kind of find myself in the middle, you right. know, of that. And obviously, my story I think very similar. You see, in like Jonah, in the story of Jonah, God used circumstances and situations. To put Jonah in a place where he's sensitive to hearing God's voice. So, you know, from overdoses to being in sketchy, you know, situations at like, you know, drug dealer's house or getting in a car accident and just walking out untouched. Like, Mm. you know, I, I got in a collision with a semi and I just walked out totally untouched, like not even a bruise or scratch. My car was totaled. And so all these experiences, I think, you know, God used to put me in a position where I would be sensitive to hearing Mm. his voice. And obviously I have the foundation of like, I was in Awanas as a kid. So like, you know, I memorized verses like, you know, it's the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance. And so when Mm. all these experiences are going on, I think I had, you know, a solid biblical foundation to know like, man, God's being super kind to me in this moment. Like I shouldn't Mm. have walked out of that Situation. And yeah, so hmm.
0: that's great. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I feel like for Brian and I, as Calvary people, Calvary Chapel, you know, growing up in the Calvary Chapel movement, which is like a non denominational movement, but it's got, it's got some similarities too. I feel like Calvary has similarities to, the Southern Baptists and the Pentecostals both. So yeah, I feel like we are kind of both in that middle, that middle place where it's like, we've seen some radical stuff and then it's like, hey, sometimes God just speaks in really simple, still small ways and that's okay too, you know? Can you go into some detail about the ways that you experienced God that you at the time as you were going through your testimony felt was out of the ordinary? Like enough for you to hold on to it as kind of this
1: defining thing God did in your life. Yeah, you know, one of the things and- I think again it just I think sometimes we have these crazy experiences and and maybe there it's an instance where it doesn't parallel any story in the Bible but yet it <laughs> right. it does affirm scripture and so I had this one experience where I drove, it was like a pink Ford Escort. I think I got it for like 600 bucks. Yeah. And you know, I look cr- kind of, I looked crazy at the time, tattoos and both my no- nostrils were pierced. I had like, at the time <laughs> it was cool to have like a dermal, like piercing. What? And Wait, what's had, that? What's that? So it's like, it's, it would almost be like where like a teardrop tattoo would be or something mm-hmm. like right you know under your eye but you put this like diamond and so i had this i don't even think it was a real diamond just a fake diamond um, i like can't imagine you like this just knowing you now it's like <laughs> it's so bizarre <laughs> but it's awesome yeah so <laughs> gauges in the ears so i'm like smoking weed with in my little pink ford escort as you do yeah and and i remember i just ran out of gas and i was actually living up here in washington at the time and so i'm like pull over I, I had a ton of junk in the car, but yeah, it's funny. The person I bought the car from, I don't know if they were Calvary Chapel or not, but I had that dove like emblem <laughs> yes. on the back of this pink escort, And I just looked like a crazy person. That's so I'm awesome. like, <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm out of gas and a cop. I see a cop pull up behind me. And instantly I just think I have like, you know, and at this time weed wasn't legal. So it was like, you can get in trouble for it. And so, right i was like man i'm i'm going to jail my life is done you know i'm toast (laughs) and so i'm outside in my car he pulls up and he says hey like you know what's going on i said man i I ran out of gas and i'm i'm pretty like blown (laughs) at this point. i'm like pretty high and he's like all right well i have a gas can in my trunk i'm gonna run up to the top of the hill there's a gas station there called spirit I'm gonna get you some fuel, and I'm gonna come back and fill you up. And like, I just remember, like, he left, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like I was <laughs> like, "What just happened?" It just sounded so like supernatural. The sp- what the he said wants to fill you up. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so he came back, and he actually had got a bigger gas thing than the little one he had. I think the little one was like a gas. He had a bigger one. So he actually filled up and I remember my little pink escort, it gave me like three quarters of a tank and (laughs) I just, so I didn't get arrested. He took off, like was like, all right, you know, like have a good one. And I had three quarters of a tank of gas. And Mm. I mean, the world was my oyster, right? With three quarters of a tank of gas. (laughs) And so I just got in my car and I'm just thinking like, man, isn't the Lord so kind, even in my sin, Mm. like he's, he's being generous to me. Like he's, he's being super good to me. Like, mm-hmm. and I thought, man, I actually deserve this, but God didn't, you know, it's like in his sovereignty, didn't let that happen, but actually blessed me through a means that could have actually, you know, I could have got some real serious consequences and stuff. So I don't know. That's like one instance where I look back and I don't want to super spiritualize that, but I think we have moments in our life where it's like, you know, you fill in the blank, but we can look back and just see God's hand and God's faithfulness. And it's like, man, it's that kindness that leads us to repentance that leads us to like, maybe even have like a stronger allegiance to the Lord and, you know, commitment to the Lord based on his faithfulness and favor and stuff on our life and our past. So mm. it's awesome, yeah,
2: that's, man. that's awesome. To me, one thing that really kind of stands out about that story is I could imagine how somebody hearing that story, wanting to minimize Mm -hmm. the effect of the supernatural in in our world could say like, oh, it was just one kind person. Oh, you were high at the time. Like (laughs) there's all these different things that I can imagine somebody saying. What I heard that story as was God gave you a living parable. Mm. I think about Jesus went around teaching and went and told stories of kindness think about the parable of the good samaritan he told a story of kindness and the idea that he had was you will all recognize that this is the kind of love that i have for you and to have part of that story be you immediately attributed it to oh this is not an officer's kindness to me this is God's kindness to me this is God trying to say something this is God trying to show me a bit of who he is that like you're saying you won't find that exact verse of in your sin I will give you three quarters of a tank of gas but <laughs> that idea of when you don't deserve kindness you will still get it from me you, know, you will yeah. still receive from my mercy because I am a God who operates like that in the world. That's that's super encouraging to hear about. God spoke to you in a way that you were ready to receive at that particular time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, even as I'm in this like new kind of Pentecostal, more Pentecostal charismatic space, there are other instances maybe that some of our listeners are maybe more familiar with, like in the liturgy of a service. Like I'd see, I remember I went up for prayer And it was, you know, some small church, I think outside San Diego or something. Um, I remember as I was like getting accustomed to this new, like Pentecostal charismatic space and we'd go visit churches. And I remember seeing people respond and go up to the front and get prayer. And, you know, someone would lay a hand on them. And I remember it was like the first time I saw people falling back. Oh, yeah, that whole thing. I was like, what? and you know some of the things that happen in some of the services like i have a space for some i like i i probably wouldn't do that you know if i was leading a church i remember they'd be singing in like tongues and i was like i'm at a i'm at a cult and i remember the first thing i thought was like (laughs) are they going to bring out snakes like what where am i right now (laughs) and um and so i remember i went up to get prayer and the pastor like was pushing on my forehead Hmm. And I think I might've been like a week or two out of, you know, my crazy lifestyle. And I remember I kind of like pushed him like, Hey bro, like what, why are you pushing me, dude? Like you're yeah. trying to throw it out or what? And, yeah. and then my buddy next to me was like, just, you know, there's someone behind you to catch you. Just, just fall back. Oh, and gosh. you know, this was a long service. So I just remember I was like, all right, I guess I'm just going to like fall back and trust fall and <laughs> close my eyes and just kind of chill and ride this thing out. And I just took an Edwards class at Western And, you know, if you know anything about Edwards, he lived during the time of the revivals and great awakenings here in the, what is now the United States. And he's known as just being a cessationist. Mm. It's something that I thought was really unique to him and his posture is he's kind of evaluating some of the, some similar stuff like laughter, interrupting service, people crying, you know, people falling out. He, he made this comment. I think it was thoughts in his book, thoughts concerning revival. He made this comment. And he's like, let's not limit God where God mm. doesn't limit himself. And mm. I remember reading that and I was just like, wow, like that's such a humble posture. Mm. Even as someone who doesn't think that, you know, maybe the spirits manifested in that way. And we could, right. you know, if you guys wanted, we could talk further about kind of how he judges the manifestations of the spirit. But I just, even now, as I kind of look back at that experience, um yeah i mean i think god god uses some instances like that and mm. i think there's some humility for us like to not sit in the back with our arms crossed and like oh this is this is fake <laughs> hocus pocus weird stuff but it's like hey, yeah like maybe let's just not let's not limit god where he doesn't limit himself yeah i love that i love that statement from edwards
0: i'm not the biggest fan of edwards theology myself Primarily just the stuff that you read in like Sinners of the Hands of an Angry God. But there there's stuff that I appreciate about Edwards. And that's a great quote that he just threw out. I, I just want to point out before we go any further, just for the audience, that there's kind of two things at play in this conversation, I think. You, you guys can let me know if you agree or not. But I think that for those of us who fall in the space where we're not cessationists, we believe that God is still actively at work doing miracles uh, today both through through his church but also just independently in of himself there's kind of two things at play one there's genuine miracles happening there's god working in mysterious ways healing people at times speaking through people at times you know crazy things happening that normally you would consider a coincidence or uh, it's like some sort of crazy coincidence but it's like could it really be that crazy of a coincidence like it seems like god's at work and then you have like opportunists you have people who are trying to turn miracles into a formula. Mm -hmm. I remember there was a girl that was a friend of mine at one point who told me that she was going to study at like some very charismatic, like very charismatic school of ministry. That was basically like a miracle school. Whereas like they were teaching you how to like do miracles, almost like, you know, like a Jedi Academy, like teaching you how to use the force and, and kind of conjure things up.
1: And it's like Christian Hogwarts.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and it's, it's crazy to me to see that happening at times. I don't know, like this is an area I'm still studying. I'm still trying to figure out, but I think that the farther you go down that road, the more you end up turning into somebody who is like, Hey, I'm pushing you. My head is on your, or my, my hand is on your head. I'm pushing you. What you're supposed to do in this situation is fall backwards and someone will catch you. And it's like, there's nothing genuine about it. It's just, it's just scripted. And, and I think that there can be a problem with that. Like, I remember one time this girl came up to my wife and I, and um, we were at some church thing and she was from another church. She wasn't from the church I attended, but we were just chatting. And my wife mentioned that she had really bad back pain. And Mm -hmm. this girl was like, oh, well, I'm a healer. Like, let me heal you. It wasn't like, oh, let's pray and ask God to heal you. It was like, I'm a healer. Let me heal you. And so she like put her hands on my wife and prayed. And my wife still has back pain to this day. Like it did not go away. And so it's, it's, I don't know, it's this struggle in my heart where it's like, I want to, I want people to believe in miracles, but I want people to like hold that belief humbly and not turn it into this methodical thing where it's like, we're going to teach you how to say the right magical Hogwarts words. And this happens because God has to obey to your whim and will whenever you want and have a more humble theology where it's like, yeah, like God can do miracles and we humbly ask him to do it. And then we, we wait and see what the spirit does and not what, what we conjure up, I guess. I don't know. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah. I think like, I don't know when, when I hear, you know, the girl saying I am a healer, I immediately think, well, you know, kind of, maybe I could see how you can get there, but really like God's the healer. So let's pray and see what God's going to do in that situation. I don't know. Yeah, Brian, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I would say a few things. I believe God does miracles. Mm. I just don't live like I believe that though. <laughs> like I, I'm I'm not proud of that. That's not like a position that I, I want to hang on to. I just want to play this hand with all the cards facing up. I generally view things in pretty natural terms. I generally like before you talked about the divide of you would have some friends where they would ask God for wisdom and it would be confirmed by scripture versus confirmed by kind of like a life circumstance. I I definitely find that my practical experience is way more on the confirmed by scripture side and, and try to do as little deviating from that as you can yeah I would say though that a lot of it has come from fear of becoming the guy pushing on your head because that's how it's supposed yeah. to go like when whenever I'm part of conversations about how supernatural things, come to pass in our lives. I've always kind of heard it's not that God does nothing and we shouldn't be thinking like God doesn't do miracles anymore. But then we immediately kind of do what we just did of we jumped to, but there's a whole lot of people messing it up. And it kind of gives me the same vibe that (laughs) drinking was talked about and the churches that I grew up in of, oh, it's not a sin to drink, but also here's seven stories of people that ruined their lives with alcohol. And so the undertone (laughs) is sure it's okay but if you do it you might die and that's like, kind there's, there's of the way a of, there's a lot of gatekeeping yeah I, I think that that's the way that i still mentally approach the way that god does supernatural things he can do it he is willing to do it but if you mess it up you're going to potentially be opening yourself up to demons and i'm like i don't know if god just kind of like wants to talk in the bible maybe i'll stay there like i know that that's not what's true but it is where i find my heart kind of naturally going well and it's interesting to be self-aware enough to recognize we're you know
0: because I I resonate with everything you just said Brian we're both Calvary Chapel raised guys and the reputation Calvary has in this arena is we are theologically charismatic but functionally cessationist. So you have a lot mm-hmm. of churches that talk yeah. about miracles, but then like if you ask like so has anyone ever been healed at this church, it's like we've we've talked a lot about how God can do it, but yeah, like doesn't really happen. That or much you'll time. get
2: the or you'll get the answer of, well, somebody went to the hospital and we prayed for them to be healed and then they were discharged from the hospital. I think that's I healing. Think that's real. we did it. Like, but that's the only one that we end up pointing to. I'm not saying that that's not healing. Right. But it's it's not exactly a spiritual encounter the way that we normally think of what a spiritual encounter is, if that makes sense. Right. Maybe we should start categorizing it that way, but it's not where we normally go. I think a lot of guys in ministry are afraid
0: of like, the, I think they might be afraid of like doing an altar call for healing, if that makes sense, like standing up from the pulpit and saying, hey, if you have a sickness, we're going to pray for you. And then just like 20 people come up and then no one gets healed. Like, I'll just be honest, that's something I've been afraid of. Like when I was a youth pastor, like I didn't do a lot of like, let's publicly pray boldly for you to be healed, because I, you know, I had never experienced myself being healed from anything I prayed from. So it's like if God's not gonna heal me when I've been sick when when I prayed, then why would he you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It's so there's 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 a fear
2: there. It does. Can I tell a, a short story that kinda relates to this? Yeah. you guys know the group Come and Live? They're a Christian record label. The guy who runs it is a guy named Chad Johnson. He mm-hmm. used to be an A&R rep for Tooth and Nail, back when, like, Tooth and Nail was the coolest mid-2000s <laughs> Christian thing. He started Come and Live. It was a record label where they gave all their music away for free, and they kind of functioned based on donations. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. They showed up to a Christian music festival that I went to, and I liked a bunch of their musicians, and I had heard their, founder speak in different places and he talked a lot about how God wants to do healing work in people's lives, and he meant that in a number of different ways. He meant that God wants to heal you on a spiritual level, which all of us here would a thousand percent agree with. Uh, yeah. He talked about God wanting to set your character back in order, and he described that as a kind of healing, which again, I think we're all on board for that. He would then also talk about physical healing, and he had examples of, of things that had happened, and there'd be like a heavy metal band playing behind him and he'd be praying for people and they would start feeling better and like all kinds of different stories and stuff. And I was like, I am very intrigued by this guy. Mm. And I saw him in the morning at this music festival and I went up and started talking to him and he was super gracious and he was really willing to let like 17 year old me just be part of his conversations going on. Mm. And we were kind of walking over to somewhere where he needed to go and his team kind of started praying Together for the day. And I kind of figured, oh, you're going to be with your guys now. I'm going to head out. And he's like, no, do you want to pray with us and like stick around? I was like, sure, that'd be awesome. I'm totally in for that. So we're all praying together and asking God to guide the musicians, to prepare the hearts of the people that are coming in, all kinds of different stuff. And then he kind of opened it up to, hey, it's been a long touring season. How are we all feeling physically? Is anybody worn down? Has anybody got aches and pains and stuff? And they've started bringing some people into the middle. And, you know, someone who was a, a roadie would be like, oh, my back's been killing me for a couple of weeks. And they'd pray for him and nothing was weird about it. Nothing seemed like forced or anything like that. Nothing yeah. seemed to immediately change like there was there wasn't a like they didn't have the guitarist who was, you know, in a wheelchair and then he stood up and walked away like there was nothing like super dramatic like that. And I'm watching this happen and I'm sensing God say to me, don't doubt this as much. Hmm. Don't be as worried about this. Cause I'm sitting there thinking like, how does healing work? What can I examine? Will they crack the formula and all that? (laughs) And where we were, it was just this huge open like grass fields and it was super dusty and I was really congested. Hmm. And I, not from a place of let me fact check these guys from a place of these are people that love Jesus that want to pray for one another. So I said, hey, I've actually been really congested over the last few days. And they put me in the middle and they all start praying for me. And it wasn't weird prayer. It was very organized. It was everybody praying together. It was all the stuff that like checked the boxes in my mind. And I could feel every breath getting easier. I could feel everything opening up. I could get this sense of I actually am less congested because of Mm. what's going on right now. And for me, that's a moment that I look at and say I don't think that God's ultimate goal was the end of my congestion in that situation. (laughs) Right. And that's sometimes where I think we get it wrong. I think sometimes we think that the ultimate goal of supernatural experiences is that we will be healed. And yet... Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, Hmm. knowing that he will one day die again. Yeah. In at least in physical terms. You know, it wasn't that he overthrew it in that particular moment. For me, the thing that I learned in that prayer circle and learned through that kind of easing of congestion, I left with the sense of I just need more faith. I just need to believe in God more. I have mm. him so limited in my mind. If I haven't seen him do it before, I have a hard time trusting he can do it in the future. Mm. And that was a space that I entered into where those guys didn't know me, they had never seen anything happen in my life but they had a trust that we can ask god and in his graciousness he might say yes and at times he might not answer us in a tangible way that we can trust in that moment but we should still at least approach him in faith and let him answer yeah does that story make any sense oh yeah
0: yeah Yeah, it really does. Like, I'm really glad you shared that. I I think that's getting at the whole point of miracles. The whole point, if you look, if you look throughout Jesus's ministry and when miracles were done, it was sort of this tandem meaning, I think, where on the one hand, you have a God who's very concerned with humans, very compassionate for humans, and he sees sick humans and he heals them. But it's like healing was never the ultimate goal because all of those humans still died one day. Like they still got old and sick and died. So it's like if the point was healing, like God would just take away all of our sicknesses and make us live forever, which is, you know, eventually what the end of the story is, right? That's the new heaven and earth. But for now, like the point of miracles seems to always be to wake people up to the reality of God, like to show people who God is how God cares, what his character is, what his power is. And so I think like, you can't turn it into a formula where it's like, if you mm-hmm. just say the right words, X plus Y equals miracle. But it's a lot, it's, it's a much more humble and, and quiet thing, I think. But when it happens, it, it, it shows you who God is. And it, it's something that I think God continues to use, especially here in the West. Like If you look in third world countries, there's way more stories of people getting healed and miracles happening because that's a culture where they already believe in that level of spirituality. Like in some of these very kind of, we would say in our context, backwards countries, they don't believe so much in science. They believe in the mysterious spiritual realm. And so God breaks through and speaks to them in that way. Out here in America, I think it happens a lot less because like God knows how much we're we're not attuned to that stuff. So when it happens, like it it, it really can be mind blowing. Your story Brian reminded me of something that happened to me when I was younger when I was like I don't know 15 I think or 16 I was in high school I had migraines for like a year like they were just so bad it felt like somebody was like pushing on my forehead like just constantly like pushing on my forehead ironically, because we were talking about earlier, pushing on people's foreheads. But yeah, it just felt like there was this weight on my forehead. And I, I it you was fall down like, on the bed? Oh, all the time. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it was just uncomfortable and kind of painful. And my parents were worried about it. They, they took me to like some medical place. I barely remember it. I have a terrible memory, but I remember like hooking up like little suction cups to my brain and, or like my head, you know, and like they did some scan on me and they just couldn't find anything. brain contact. Yeah. They, they cut my head open and just went straight on the brain. No, just they, Sca- that way. <laughs> they scanned my head. I had like a cat scan. I They, they couldn't find anything, but I, I couldn't deny that I felt something. And then I remember talking to my high school pastor about it. And you know, I barely knew the guy. I had like five different high school pastors. Like it was like a revolving door, but um, you know, the, my high school pastor at the time, I just mentioned it to him and he was a really quiet, like just gentle, gentle guy. And he was like, yeah, man, why,
2: like, why don't, why don't we pray about
0: that? And we were just sitting out on the bench, you know, in, in the parking lot simple prayer. I don't remember what he said, but like after that prayer, the headaches went away and never came back. And it's like, I don't know how to explain that other than like, either it was all in my head and somehow placebo effects psychologically, it lifted through me believing that it could through prayer or God is real and something was wrong with me, or there was some sort of spiritual oppression on me at the time and, and God freed me from it. So yeah I'm a firm believer in that stuff. I just think it's a lot less sensational than than some people make it out to be I think
1: it's a it's a quieter humbler thing that happens I don't know what do you, what do you think Mike yeah I mean he said a lot of there's been a lot of things said and I don't know I think here in the West I think we have a lot of stuff to rely on maybe that in um, third world parts of the world. Maybe they don't like, you know, we get a headache, we're going to take ibuprofen. If, if there's something my wife just saw the doctor because, you know, something going on with her eye, you know, we, we forget that other parts of the world are may may not have the, the best healthcare or may not have the same privilege that we have to, to access some of the things, not that they're bad that we do, but you know, they, they'll kind of, they'll go to the Lord first. And I think even in, in, you know, as I've been to different parts of the world, I've definitely seen God like do some crazy stuff. And, but at the same time, in those parts of the world, you have voodoo that is just so common or witchcraft or just you know any number of different things so I think John Mark Comer in his new book Live No Lies he talks a little bit about this with the desert fathers and stuff but we just have moved way beyond like kind of supernatural stuff into more of like a intellectualism and it's kind of pushed out like this you know praying for miracles or just even allowing room for the supernatural to break out in our life because we rely on reason and intellect rather than relying on god to break through and do something that maybe doesn't make sense in the moment you know
0: right and that's the funny thing is we're we're so focused on reason and intellect but if you have this entire story this entire Bible that's full of a God doing miracles wouldn't reason and intellect lead to, if you believe that faith, you would believe that God who doesn't change would
1: continue to do those things, right? Does that kind of make and sense? Jesus does some crazy stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, do we get mud in our hands and then put them on someone's eyes like that is having a hard time with that was one of his. That was one of his weirdest healings. Just spit
0: mud in the eye. I yeah. feel like if I...
2: If Jesus did that to me, I'd be like, bro, why would I do? I've always <laughs> wondered if the guy with mud spit ever found the guy that jesus just spoke to and was like hey you can see now and he's like wait you didn't have mud like what do you how come i had to do it that way like i wonder if they ever like exchanged notes if there was if that happened today if jesus was around today and that happened you know there'd be
0: some opportunistic guy who would just start collecting the mud like right where jesus stood and bottling it up and then selling it on tbn you know Mm
1: -hmm. oh my gosh
0: free miracle
2: mud Well, Michael, let me ask you this then. As we think about our reliance on reason, part of that I think has to do with we feel that we need to contribute to things going well for us. If I need money, I'm going to go on Indeed to get a job before I'm just going to pray for God to have like a blank check show up at my door. Like Mm. we we think of things as very cause and effect. Do you think that we need to break our reliance on reason or at least reexamine our relationship with reason? Or do you think that this is calibrating to a new system and we should change the things that we're expecting
1: God to do? Gosh, that's a great question and again, you know, I'm I'm not an expert on this of, at all. None of us are
0: on this. We're we're just we're just three guys who are who are learners and thinkers and trying to figure this stuff out. So, yeah, we appreciate your your thoughts, Mike.
1: I think, you know, like when it comes to like yeah, some things are cause and effect. If I work a job, I will get income and be able to provide. That's a good thing. I think there's even some supernatural stuff. Uh, in the mix of that, that we should have room for. Like, how does God move typically in our world? He moves through human relationships. So maybe if a family member has a relationship with someone that could get you a really cool job or even just a job temporarily, maybe we shouldn't write that off because maybe the Lord could be working through that human relationship. So I think there's supernatural stuff even that's intertwined with the cause and effect, but I think to the extreme, there's um, there's a guy who, well, I was I think maybe five six months ago, he got in a car accident. He he was on a, a two lane highway up here in Washington, uphill, and he saw a hitch like someone walking hitchhiking, and he made a U turn and he cut in front of a car and just got t boned. And he was like telling me later, well, I heard you know this demonic. And I know him to be very like kind of hypersensitive and just super spiritual. He wanted to fly to New York to, for some deliverance thing and to get delivered. And so I, we talked about sanctification, (laughs) but you know, and I'm like, bro, I I don't know if we can put off like you making just a rash move in a vehicle. I don't think if we can just put off, you know, oh, well Satan, you know, I think like you're (laughs) driving the car. Right. You know, you you made kind of a dumb move and it resulted in an accident. Let's not go to the extreme of saying, well, a demon told me to do it. That's just kind of I felt like that was a scapegoat. Maybe maybe I'm being insensitive. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I'm very prone to agree with you. I,
2: I definitely I think in many ways, as much as this conversation is about how we underestimate the role that the spiritual plays in our lives, I also think it is true that we underestimate how much we contribute to our own brokenness. Mm, I think that I underestimate how sinful I actually am. And so when I really go ahead and mess something up, it's really convenient for me to want to say the devil made me do it. I was super tempted that day. Satan gave me all of this extra opportunity it feels a lot worse to admit, wow, I really am just that broken. Like, right. I really am just that messed up on a core level. So it's it's kind of learning to appreciate both of these things. God right. has this ability and desire to do things that are beyond our reason, to do things that our brains can't handle And I I think my thing is when those things show up, I've never questioned them. Mm. Like when those things really happen, I've never been in a spot of, is that actually what was going on? Like I'm not like it's always been that was clearly God. I have no other answer. You can disagree if you want. I have (laughs) I am so, so confident in this and then all the moments where i'm like well maybe it was satan tempting me then i'm kind of prone to think maybe i'm just a bad person and i need <laughs> to admit that because it's what the bible says let let me push back on that though for a second or i don't know if
0: this will be pushed back or not you, you you tell me but have have either of you guys read screw tape yeah. yeah cs lewis screw tape letters so what do you think about that that paradigm he introduces where it's kind of like You know, you grow up thinking demons possess people and that's the main thing we do. So it's like you're scared as a Christian kid of getting demon possessed. But it's like the paradigm screw tape or C.S. Lewis introduces in screw tape letters is that the tactic of warfare that demons use is less of, you know, especially here in the West. Right. It's less of let's go and possess people and more of let's steady these humans and be military tacticians on the side of the forces of evil. And let's yeah. find their weaknesses and then let's exploit those weaknesses and tempt them and goad them and push them into temptations and bad attitudes and seasons of depression and anger. How, how do you guys feel about that? Like, I know that's extra biblical it's C.S. Lewis, but I think there's something to it. This idea that there is a, a vast spiritual realm, angels and demons. There's a war over human souls. That's been like, that's what all of this is about. Like the, the war in heaven between uh, God and, and, and the angels. And then, you know, the, the fallen angels, the demons, this war over human souls seems to be the core, one of the core aspects of the story. So I think a lot of times it's like, we're not, we're not picking up on that, or we're not acknowledging that, that the demonic or the angelic might be playing a part in what's going on in our life behind the scenes. Of course, personal responsibility. Of course, like when you sin, you are making a choice. The devil did not make you do it, but did he influence you, you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I would I would agree with that. Yeah, the paradigm, C.S. Lewis introduces is super interesting, right? So the the
2: basic concept that frames the screw tape letters is screw tape is writing to He's I believe it's his nephew. Yep. That He's he a demon to. uncle writing yes. to his demon nephew. Yeah. There is a world of demons and they're in they're, hell. they're best <laughs> Their best communication technique is still letters. At that point, texting and, has not come about. And Screw Tape, being the older demon, is trying to train Wormwood. Here's how we do what we do. Here's it's, how we. It's get like discipleship. These people. Discipleship on the side of evil, basically. Like instead demon of here's how you be a good Christian, it's here how here's how you be a great demon. Here's how you torment humans. Like the in the clickbait good place. version of that book is called Demon Discipleship. <laughs> If it was written on a blog in 2021, it would just be called Demon Discipleship, right? So I want I want to let
0: Michael get back to what he was saying, but like basically, like Wormwood is writing letters to Screwtape, his nephew, and being like. All right. So that, you know, that, that, that human that you're tormenting, you can see that when, when he starts hearing about politics, uh, his anger goes up, use that, lean into that, present him with political problems with no solution that get him riled up and in the flesh. And then that way he'll get further and further away from the gospel. So yeah, that's, that's screw tape. It's language, interesting basically.
1: you use the English accent because I always picture Uncle Tape with like a Kermit the Frog. You know, do you want, you want to try that again? <laughs> Like uh, so, uh,
2: you know, uh, you know, the thing at uh, Wormwood is, uh, you know, uh, well, yeah. Hi,
0: thanks for the I setup think, there. Did you, do, really? <laughs> do you really? Do you really picture that? Okay. No, not at all. I just no, want well, to do your permit. Uh, I'm just going to do this for the rest of the... <laughs> I was eating a
2: peanut and it got lodged in my throat there. Anyway, I can imagine, you know the moment in scripture where it says like we'll look on Satan and we'll think like you're the one that that shook the worlds and that tempted us like imagine if most of that is just because he has a really lame voice. <laughs> you show you show up to hell. Hi
1: ho, welcome to hell. <laughs> Come over
0: here and we'll sing Rainbow Connection <laughs> while the world burns.
1: You know the paradigm going back to screw tape that he introduces is is super interesting right like because they they're on the outside looking in at like a christian and it's interesting i, I just remember there's some things that they let the christian kind of continue doing or actually maybe not doing in the church because they kind of fall into just being uh lethargic complacent And so I even think of just contemporary terms, like what if there was like another chapter written, you know, and because we know a lot of the stuff we do throughout the day is very formative, right? It's forming us in one direction. And so I wonder if like Uncle Screwtape today is like, hey, let that Christian spend hours scrolling or, you know, man, I'm super excited. They're creating this account and they're going to spend hours on this social media outlet and be formed by these ideologies or these, right. You know, and we can, I don't want to rabbit trail hard, but we can go any direction on stuff that's that's exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. And so, yeah, I mean, instead of being formed by like the word of God, someone, a a lady in our church on Monday night, we had a leaders meeting. She just, it sounded so basic, but she just said, man, I really feel like we as leaders really need to be formed and get back to like the reading of the Bible and like being formed studying and reading like god's word you know i I have a friend i remember this was years ago we do devotions together and he would always bring like rick warren's purpose-driven life and i'm like bro we're reading the bible together like that that's not that's not the bible bro and he's like dude there's scripture in it it's pretty much the same thing (laughs) right
0: but, yeah, yeah. A, a lot of people want sort of a, a pre-packaged version of the Bible that goes in a really specific direction, like like the purpose drizzle, Dri- Drizz- the purpose drizzle life. Rick's uh, rap album, so lame. <laughs> that like yeah i don't know what that was that was like a little bit of early 2000s humor coming out there but yeah we we want like the prepackaged bible we don't want to actually wrestle through the bible ourselves and you know i've even been guilty of that but if if i can go back to the conversation of miracles we were talking a little bit about kind of the role of science and how in the west we look at situations and evaluate it by reason logic and science i i think it's interesting to know that we we tend to pit God and science against each other, like uh, Nacho Libre, right? What's the name of that one character, uh, Nacho's little assistant, where he's like, I don't believe in God. I only believe in science. You know? We can do that, but... Nobody knows his name. Nobody knows that guy's name. He had long hair and he was skinny.
2: I know exactly but who you're talking about. He, be- he didn't believe in God. He believed in science. And then Nacho baptized him. But people are really upset at us right now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember the other guy.
0: Anyway, the thing I'm trying to get at though is that science and God do not have to be opponents because God invented science. And so I think it's interesting when we look at healings, Brian, either one of you guys brought up how in third third world countries you see a lot more healing because there's a lot less science. (laughs) There's a lot less medicine available to those guys. And so it's almost like they have to be supernaturally healed. When you think about modern medicine, A lot of it is a miracle like it is it is god allowing humans to develop and maybe even inspiring and leading humans to develop cures for diseases like how is that not miraculous like it's not like god and humanity is competing against one another god's created humans and gave them the ability and giftings to create themselves and so a friend of mine on facebook shared this i was just asking about miracles and people's experiences and he said in the space of two years my senior pastor has been healed of vocal cord cancer through radiation treatments, so healed by science, Mm -hmm. right? And then, without any science, healed of a brain aneurysm and a mini-stroke. His doctors, with those two situations, couldn't understand how he is still walking, talking, preaching, and fully in his right mind. One doctor told his wife, after the aneurysm, that there are only two possible outcomes— physical death or brain death and so my friend says if that's not god i don't know what is and so i I love that story because it's like it's showing both sides of the miracle there he's you know healed by science from the vocal cord cancer which i would say that is that's still miraculous because it's god allowing us to develop that treatment and then where there was no treatment god steps in and miraculously does what science can't and so i I just think it's two sides of the same coin
1: personally i want to riff on that while we're here As I work with individuals with mental health, sometimes dual diagnosis. And it's, I've, I've been in this space for like a year now. And I think, you know, Pentecostals not to, you know, some Pentecostals like in the early 1900s would label schizophrenia as like demon possession. And they would try to cast out demons because, you know, this person's has schizophrenia or is bipolar, you know, must be a demon. And now through science, we've just realized like, nope, they actually just have like a little chemical imbalance in their brain and it could be, you know, regulated and helped with modern medicine. You know, in my profession, we're able to not only give individuals like a solid foundation and, you know, in the Bible and get them support through the local church, but we're also even able to point them in directions of getting assistance, seeing a psychiatrist or an MD to, you know, maybe see what some of that imbalance is. And, and what we've seen with people who come out of, you know drugs and stuff like that many of them who are dealing with houselessness are so because they haven't gone to an md or they haven't gone to a psychiatrist to get diagnosed for whatever reason and in, and again in my limited experience with the individuals here in Washington, I've dealt with, I'm surprised at how many of them have a church background and there's a stigma attached to getting, you know, assessed for mental health because, well, I should just have faith or the Lord mm. should just heal me or I'm a new creature in Christ. So I shouldn't still be struggling with this And, and so I, yeah, I mean, to sum it up, I've just seen God work through psychiatrists and MDs, just addressing some of the imbalance in our bodies and getting these individuals solid to where they can just attack life in a positive headspace that's great yeah it's it's interesting that
0: i feel like there's some in the church that have this very narrow view where it's kind of like well don't send people to the doctor like have us pray for them and it's like well maybe god wants to work through the doctor you know (laughs) like sometimes i think god heals without the doctor and sometimes he uses the doctor it would be it'd be kind of like you know Uh, if we were like, if there was a bunch of people that needed rides to church and it's like, well, don't use cars, just pray and then we'll see if God teleports them there or, you know, levitates them there or whatever. And it's like, he might, he could do that, but maybe God allowed cars to be invented and maybe we should use them as Christians and not feel bad about it, you know? Yeah, so 100%.
2: Yeah, and I think generally we make it a false dichotomy. We make Mm -hmm. it a, I can go to a doctor or I can pray. You know, recently, I was mountain biking and the mountain won and I broke a bone in my arm (laughs) and I have awesome Christian family and friends that I told about it and all of them said hey we're going to pray for you also what doctor are you going to it wasn't a I'm going to pray for you don't tell me any of the medical stuff or oh man you already went to urgent care I guess we can't pray for you anymore it it wasn't either of those things I, I think that we missed the idea in we want supernatural things to happen. We miss the idea that God can be working supernaturally through natural looking means. You know, I I always held on to, I taught through the book of Joshua for junior high students. And I believe it's in Joshua chapter 4 where they cross over the Jordan and they finally start to settle in the land and there's this quick verse that mentions and God no longer provided men but God fed the people through the crops of Canaan or the the people yeah. ate of the crops of Canaan the land that they were settling and there's this awesome commentator Dale Ralph Davis he's so good on like Joshua judges those kind of historical books early in the new in the Old Testament and he said something to the effect of a lot of people read this as God stopped providing for the Israelites or God stopped feeding them instead he chose to use the natural means of the crops the land was producing and he said something like many of god's gifts don't come in shiny wrapping but come in simple brown paper another Mm. paycheck Mm. that clears another safe drive back home all in a day's work for our god you know we need to start seeing those natural things they are not natural nothing natural makes sense like naturally we're on a space rock circling fire (laughs) surrounded by nothingness forever like, that is True. not natural. That doesn't yeah. make sense. That is not normal. And yet we're just so used to it. It's like, oh, of course. Yeah, of course the space rock would just keep going. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, I think I think it's it goes back to that idea
0: of God working in those very, quite often, simple ways. And, and I do think God works in extravagant ways at times. I mean, look, you know, burning bushes, right? Red Sea parting, all that stuff. Does God still do crazy big things today? Yeah, is it a lot more rare in our eyesight? You know, in our in our in us getting a viewpoint on it. I think so. I think that I don't know. I don't know if this makes sense, but I I think there's something to the fact that you know Jesus did a lot of miracles when he was around, but then he also told people to keep it secret a lot. Like (laughs) he, he would tell people like, "I know I healed you, but like keep it on the down low." Because if Jesus just came and like, it literally if the sky just lit up right now and Jesus was there with like a million angels and fireballs, everybody would believe they'd be like, Oh, so this is a thing. You know, I, I think, I think God is looking for seekers. I think he's looking for people who have put his trust in them. And so there, yeah. there is this element of not making things so blatantly obvious, but this wooing of people and winning people. And so I think it's interesting. You see many people giving their lives to Jesus through various things. You know, you have people who are won over by reason and logic. You have other people yeah. where something miraculous happens, something simple, uh, something that could be explained away as a coincidence, but God moves in that moment, kind of like Michael's story. Like that could that could be explained away as a coincidence. I, I've yeah. got a story if I can share. Is that cool with you guys if I share one? Yeah, please. Yeah, go for it. this is something that I look back on. I have several of these in my life, you know, and they're not huge. They're just these small stories, but I look back on them and I'm like, okay, this is a moment where I attach it to my story of who I am and how God has worked in my life. And I can't really explain it away apart from Jesus. I I think I've told this once or twice on the show in earlier seasons, but, and I'll try to make it quick. Cause I know we're kind of at the end of the episode here, but I long story short had been praying about whether or not I should go on a trip to Ireland for years. Like I prayed about it from the time I was in Bible college to the time I was like 26 or seven or whatever, and could never get confirmation about like, if I was supposed to go, if I was supposed to move there, if I was supposed to be a missionary there, my wife and I just prayed and prayed. We had this strong sense from God that Ireland was going to be a part of our story somehow, but we didn't know what that looked like. So one week I was doing my youth ministry stuff, doing a series on prayer, praying myself, taking a prayer walk around our city. And I just was like, God, I really would like some direction on this Ireland thing. Can you please give me some direction? That would be great. It's been years. Like, Help me to figure out if this is me or if if this is you or if this is just something in my head that I ascribed to God and was like, oh, God said this, but really it was just something in my head. So that day that I prayed that I run into a guy on the street, living on the street who mm. was from Cork, Ireland. I would go at, at that time and I would talk to guys on the street and buy them food, tell them about Jesus. That was just a regular rhythm of you know what I did. We had a lot of guys uh, living on the street in Vista where I lived. So this was down by the jack of the box and I see him we start talking. And I'm like, where are you from? And he's like, oh, I'm from Ireland, my boy. And it blew my mind because like no one from Ireland like ever was in Vista. Like Vista was like mostly white, some Hispanic, like nobody else. And so this Irish guy is there. Two days later, roundabout, I see another guy on the street, buy him some food, talking to him. And I'm like, hey man, what's your name? And he's like, uh, don't worry about my name. And I'm like, what's your name? And he's like, I'll tell you my nickname. And I'm like, all right he goes, they call me the Irish man, brother. And he pulls open his shirt. He's got like a tattoo of the word or the map of Ireland is on his chest. And then the words Irish are tattooed on his knuckles. So that was yes. weird. So, you know, I was like, okay, God speaking. This is crazy. Long story short, we're, we're, we're planning a trip. Cause we're like, God is directing us, you know, to go to Ireland on this mission trip. And then I start to back out. Cause I realized I can't afford it because it was a two month trip. And I was like, mm. Oh my gosh, I can't like go there and pay rent in California and also like live in Ireland and rent out Airbnbs and places to live. Like I don't have the money. I can't even afford the the plane travel. So I was like having doubt and I was like, okay, I got to cancel this trip. It's not going to happen. The night that I'm going to cancel it, I go to the store to pick up some (laughs) toilet paper. Literally, we ran out and a lady comes up, lady living on the street. And she comes up and she just walks right up to me and says, Hey, we got to get you down to Ireland, brother. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) why? She goes, I don't know. You got a red beard. And then she like ran away and laughed. And I was just like, what the, so it was one of those things where there was this overwhelming sense of like, God is speaking to you in this weird, strange way. And it's just, that doesn't happen to me every day, but I can look back to key moments in my life where that kind of thing happened. And it's just a part of my story where I'm like, I, I can't not believe in God. Like I can't not believe that he's working and He's active. I've seen too much, you know? And I had an atheist friend I was talking to who was like, well, I told him that story. And he was like, that's not God. Like, that's just you convincing yourself psychologically that you had a spiritual experience in your brain. You invented a spiritual experience based on three coincidences that you had. And I was just like, I don't believe in coincidences that big. Like, I don't have any coincidences that big in my life that aren't tied (laughs) to something I feel like God is speaking to me about, you know, like, so anyway... That's, that's my story.
1: Can we put like a, can we create a GoFundMe and put it in the show notes? Like for Aaron's someday trip to Ireland for two months? I
0: went, I went, I lived there for two months Got convinced that I was supposed to become a missionary there, got all psyched up about it. And then like very clearly was told by the Lord that I needed to move to Oklahoma, which was like very strange. (laughs) That's a whole nother story. But the cool thing is there was fruit from that trip to Ireland that birthed into some things that influenced the start of the podcast network that we're on right now. So. God was, God was working. God was doing something. It wasn't, it's, it's hardly ever what I think it is. Like, I'm like, Oh, I'm supposed to go to Ireland. Clearly that means I'm supposed to move here and be a missionary. And apparently God, had things he wanted to do in and through that trip. And then it was about things he was doing in and through my life and my wife's life. I mean, some of the things about leaving Vista, moving, going to Ireland and then coming to Oklahoma led to me and my wife getting pregnant, you know? So it's like, it's all tied awesome. together in my mind. God's always working and we just have to listen to the way he's guiding and directing, you know?
2: Yeah. I think that you're tapping into something that's really important. I get the sense, and I see this in my own life as well, those moments. Moments of supernatural encounter were meant to guide you in the natural moments. Mm. You know, they gave you clarity and direction mm-hmm. and they, they shaped the way that you handled the natural moments from there on out. You know, and I think about we talked about Jesus healing people who would eventually get sick again. Well, the goal was not I've ended sickness in your life. The goal was because of this encounter, you can trust in me in a new way and it can reshape the way that you go about everything you do in all of your natural moments. You know, I, I think about do you think I have time to tell the story? of when I was in the room for an exorcism. So there was a moment where I was on staff at a church in New Jersey, and we got a call that day, and it was a Monday, and that matters just because there were very few people in the church office on a Monday, because everybody was there yesterday. There was somebody in the church who was a little bit younger than me, where his dad was saying, I think... My son is demon possessed and our pastor talked with him and said, bring him to the church. We're going to pray for him. Like, I, I think you're right. Like, we're we're going to do this. And he kind of rounds up anybody that was a pastor in the building at that point. And he was like, hey, eh, you're a youth pastor, but you count like, come on in. And in my head, I'm thinking this isn't what we think it is. I know this guy. He's not demon possessed. He's had all kinds of different like emotional issues. And he's had different like, this is not what we think it is. That was my thinking. It became very clear the moment that I saw him. Oh my goodness, he's demon possessed. Like, this is this is real. Like, it it felt like a movie. And I remember my senior pastor went up to him and just kind of very calmly, very simply was like, look, we believe that Jesus has authority here. We believe that Jesus can heal in the name of Jesus. Come out of this person. And he immediately felt like flat on his face. And I was like, oh my goodness, we won. Like, it was real. It's <laughs> happening. And then he like calls us all in. And we're like laying hands on him and we're praying for him. And we all just kept... At least me, I just kept repeating like, "In the name of Jesus, be healed." Like, Jesus, you are the powerful. Like, just the name of Jesus just kept being repeated. Yeah. And it wasn't Brian Higgins, Demon Slayer. You you were you were no. calling on Jesus
0: to do the work. Yeah.
2: No, no, I definitely. I. Mean, it was in this little like staircase area where it happened because like we were gonna bring him inside and then bring him up the stairs and he like wouldn't come up, so we went down to him. I was definitely like the fourth string person in this moment like i would i was just happy to have the invite like i was not part of what was really going on but all i could keep doing was just repeating the name of jesus like i just Mm -hmm. kept kind of doing that and we kept praying for him and it seemed like things quieted down for a minute and then he started like moving around again and we kept praying and kept repeating the name of Jesus and like everybody in this little area, like there were probably like seven or eight people total. We're all just kind of repeating the name of Jesus. And five minutes later, he's entirely back in his right mind. Mm. He described the feeling as like when you finish a really hard workout and you're just kind of like drained. And it it was clear that something had changed. Well. And I remember, I mean, first, the the first most important thing that happened in that moment was that someone under the influence of demonic entities was freed from that, that Mm. if nothing else goes on, that's a total win. The second thing that I feel happened for everybody and and especially happened for me was I left that place thinking Jesus actually is king. Mm. Like I actually encountered a moment where the only thing I could do was call on the name of Jesus. Like, the only thing I could do was evoke the kingship of Jesus to change the spiritual landscape of a situation. And he did. Mm. And suddenly, like, I still needed to budget, but I was a lot less worried about (laughs) finances. And like, I still needed to prep my sermons for the junior high ministry. But I was a whole lot less afraid about like, what if my outline isn't perfect? It's like, Jesus is king. He beats up demons like he can overcome. (laughs) An outline that, you know, I wasn't quite sure on. And he can overcome the fact that I couldn't find that perfect illustration for the intro. Like there was a change in the way that I viewed the natural moments because of the way that I saw Jesus come through in a very clearly supernatural moment. Powerful.
1: That's awesome. When you said like we won, I thought of like an Avengers scene with like Captain America, (laughs) like destroying Thanos. That's totally how it felt. (laughs) The demon's like, you should have gone for the
0: head.
2: Well, because at first... You got to put the hand on the head, right? And give it a good push. You got to just just push. Just, just lay down. You're just supposed to lay down. Like when when he came in, this was a really tall guy. He's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, and our lead pastor is... I don't know how tall he is, but he's, he's not like a super tall guy. And so there was like a height difference there. And all I thought was, this guy's going to punch our pastor in the face. And then we're going to have to do this without him. And then just by oh saying God. like, in the name of Jesus... And having him fall down. I was like, is this what Israel felt like when Goliath happened? Like, this is crazy. And then to be able to come in and be part of it, like, it was very clearly just, there was such a confidence in the power of Jesus where I was like, that is what I need to bring to every situation in my life. That's awesome. That's awesome.
0: Not to undercut how cool that story is, but this is just funny to me. Wouldn't it be hilarious if height ratios played a part in exorcisms where it's like, you have to figure out how tall the guy is and then find a Christian who is at least a foot taller, you know,
2: for it to work. That would have been very difficult to do in our circumstance.
0: I, I love what you're saying because it's, it's pointing to the reality that like the point of miracles is to point to the reality that Jesus is King and, and Lord and so in control that he has power over the natural. That's why it's called supernatural. (laughs) You know, he is the one who created the natural and therefore he can bend the rules and he can go in and he can heal and he can stop demons from tormenting. I mean, and, and, and you know, going back to originally what I was saying of, you know, we've got all of these stories in the Bible of miracles happening. Why would a supernatural faith story become less supernatural over yeah. time, so I, I think you know. For, for me, the place where I end this conversation or where I leave this conversation is with the thought of if you're listening to this as a listener, you know, I'm talking to you guys listening now. Maybe you've grown up around miracles, you've seen a miracle, you've seen something su- supernatural, you've had a moment like I did where God spoke to you in a weird, crazy way. Maybe you didn't, you know, and and, and but I I want you to hear from three guys that hopefully you can trust that it does happen sometimes and that it does exist. And just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's sort of like the story of Thomas, you know, where it's like, he's like, I'll I'll believe when I see the holes in the hands, we can all be like that. And I can be like that because I've had my own supernatural experience of God's like the way God usually supernaturally does something in my life is through leading me in a, a direction. Like literally I've had like, Hey, I have a very strong sense from the Lord that I'm supposed to go stand at the corner of that gas station. And then I do. And then a guy shows up and like, it's the perfect witnessing opportunity, divine appointment. He gets saved. Like that's the kind of stuff that happens to me. So I believe hardcore in that stuff. I don't see healings a lot. So I tend to doubt healings, like, because I, that's not my experience. So when I hear a story of some crazy healing, I'm like, wait, wait a minute. So I'm just trying to point out, I do that. You probably listening do that too. If you haven't experienced it, you probably doubt it more in a hardcore way. And I think we all need to just open ourselves up to the reality of the possibility of God doing a miraculous work and not just saying, oh, that was in the Old Testament, that was in the New Mm -hmm. Testament, but today, you know, we've got pills. And again, pills can be good. (laughs) Like, it depends on the pill, but like, you know, God, medicine is something that it's a blessing from God. But I'm just trying to say, don't let your doubt hold you back from experiencing what God is doing and also for rejoicing with other Christians when they share the miraculous things that God is doing. So I'll, I'll leave my thoughts there. Mike, what do you, what do you think?
1: Well, I'm just, I don't want to leave our listeners wondering who Nacho Libre's partner was. It's (laughs) Escalito is his name. So that's important. No, I think it's good. I think this is great. And my heart would be hopefully that people just have a space for the supernatural at the end of this. And even that God would even move like soon in in their life and they'd be like, Whoa, like I just listened to this and then God did this, I think Mm. would be super cool. So be praying for that. Yeah, and I would say like to jump on the back
0: of that too, like open yourself up to that, like pray and be open and be like, God, if you wanna do something crazy in my life, like I'm super open to that, that would be super cool. (laughs) And if that happens, like, hey, let us know, email us, goodlionnetwork at gmail.com. Instagram at goodline.io. You can contact us and or if you have a story yourself of God working in some supernatural way that was pretty cool, we'd love to hear that too. So reach out anytime. We, we love to chat with listeners online and just hear how the show is blessing you and just hear what God's doing in your, in your life. So
2: yeah, I think a healthy attitude to take to asking God for more of the supernatural going forward is the attitude we see from Daniel's friends. Believe mm-hmm. that God can do it. Believe that God will do it. Trust that even if he doesn't do it, he still loves you and you are still his.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. If you like our show, please take a minute to give us a review on iTunes. It seriously helps so much. The more reviews we get, the more people will find us. And so if you want to help the show, please just go on iTunes and leave a quick review. We also love questions from listeners and we love to do episodes focused on questions. So if you have a question and you want us to talk about on the show, send it to our email address, which is... Network at gmail.com. Send us a question. We'd love to talk about it on the show. The Good Lion Podcast is a production of the Calvary Global Network and it's produced by myself, Aaron Salvato, and my co-host, Brian Higgins. Our show is a part of the Good Lion Podcast Network, a network of Christian podcasters that Brian and I started with our friends. Check out our website, goodlion.io, where you can find a ton of other Christ-centered encouraging and equipping podcasts. Our goal with this ministry is to reach people all over the world with Christ-centered content that helps them as they walk closer with Jesus. If you like what we do and you want to support us, go to goodlion.io support. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.